I know that it's International Women's Day, so I think the first thing I should do is apologise for not being a woman. <laughs> it's, uh, it's particularly regrettable that I'm not a glamorous Sudanese Egyptian Australian woman who wears a hijab, promoting a book about what it's like being a glamorous Sudanese Egyptian Australian woman who wears a hijab. If, if I was, this would not be the only event I've got lined up on my non-government funded whirlwind trigger warning awareness raising tour. Now, when I, when I met the great Australian cartoonist Bill Mitchell about 34 years ago, he said, mate, a cartoonist only has to be funny once a day, but it's a lot harder than you'd think. <laughs> now, he was right, but he had no idea how much harder it would be for me than it ever was for him. For a start, in order for Bill Mitchell to come up with a cartoon, all he had to do was take a serious political issue exaggerate it to the point of absurdity and draw whatever he saw when he got there. <laughs> but I can't do that because these, the ideas our politicians have these days are utterly ridiculous to start with. <laughs> and if you're starting at the point of absurdity, where are you supposed to go from there? I mean, what... I ask you, what, what on earth am I going to have to come up with to make teachers in the Safe Schools program look ridiculous when they actually start giving jobs to gimps? And how long do you think that it'll be then before some gimps rights campaigner accuses me of gimpophobia? Another reason why the job's so much harder now than it was for Bill Mitchell is because unlike him, I can't just sort of breezily assume that people are looking at my cartoons hoping to get a laugh. <laughs> Ever since conceptual art supplanted transcendent art, all art has been reduced to the level of graffiti. And to people reared on postmodernism and cultural relativism who can't tell the difference between Picasso and Banksy, I'm, I'm not a cartoonist working for a newspaper. I'm an artist exhibiting in a gallery that gets hundreds of thousands of visitors through the doors every day. Well, the work of a man like that has to be taken very seriously indeed. It has to be analysed. It has to be deconstructed. It has to be decoded by these people in a search for hidden meanings. And because art, like political activism, is a form of therapy, it's also supposed to reinforce and confirm their prejudices, not challenge them. Well, bugger that. <laughs> political correctness is a poison that attacks the sense of humour. Luckily for Bill Mitchell, it was tipped into our water supply at around about the time he retired. And since then, it's infected an awful lot of people. As the senses of humour of people suffering from PC atrophy, their sensitivity to criticism becomes more and more acute until they get to the stage where everything offends them and they lose the ability to laugh entirely. 
For your chronic PC sufferer, feeling offended is about as good as it gets. So a good cartoon gives them an excuse to parade their moral superiority in 140 characters or less, scrawled on the dunny door of social media, where every other humorless halfwit who's seen the cartoon and felt offended can also join in the fun. And they do. Well, I don't twit and I don't face, so most of the time I'm able to remain blissfully unaware of all of the howls of outrage and indignation directed at me in response to my cartoons. But not always. Two years ago, I realised that sometimes I really do have to worry about whether people think my cartoons are funny or not. When I discovered to my surprise that bloodthirsty barbarians aren't immune to political correctness and their delicate sensibilities are just as easily offended as those of any precious little snowflake you'll find in a gender studies faculty at the university. <laughs> and for your average Islamist terrorist firing off a few impassioned obscenities on, Twitter, on a Twitter feed, there's no substitute for the sort of satisfaction you can get by hunting down the person who's offended you and chopping his bloody head off. Bill, if I can drop you, there's a friend come. Bloke says he knows you. Yes, I know who it is. <laughs> Hello, Liz. Hey, Will. Good afternoon. How are you, mate? Sorry. You can, you can continue your speech afterwards. These poor bastards have been standing up. Uh, that judge, who was that judge droning on? No, I'm sure he's on the right side, but because we never in those courtrooms, they can talk forever, can't they? No, I don't want to keep people waiting. Good evening, everyone. Very good health. <laughs> A single malt man. Ladies and gentlemen, honoured guests, Tired Prime Ministers, <laughs> members of the press, and uh, assorted riffraff and gatecrashers. <laughs> I am a man who have, has attained his statue in the political spectrum because I go to that much more trouble. I'll go to any length. And that's how I like my research assistants. <laughs> I'm prepared to go to any length, they say, Liz. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've been giving a bit of ball to poor old, old Tim Warner there, you know. <laughs> well, well, we all put our hand on the wrong knee from time to time. <laughs> I've avoided in my career the upper echelons of politics and international diplomacy. Um, I, I've maintained my position of rectitude <laughs> and sometimes erectitude. And uh, by frankly uh, doing the opposite of what Poor old Warney did. I believe in rooting everyone in the office. 
just one. That was his mistake. <laughs> However, you're in for something now. This is a cultural landmark. A poem that I've gone to the trouble of writing. I'm Leslie Colin Patterson, but address me as Les, please. I'm an elder statesman, spin doctor, and Australia's eminence grease. That's a French word. In Canberra, I'm an icon and a national institution. I'm the bloke who gave Julia Gillard a master class in elocution. <laughs> And though I am as indigenous as a wombat or koala, I talk that poor bastard Keating, his expertise on Marla. Heard him going on about Marla. <laughs> well, doesn't fool anyone, Paul. I got all my Labour colleagues to use the buzzword mate, especially when addressing the people that they hate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. <laughs> Way back in the golden olden days of my friend and mentor Goff, when every bludger and wanker had his nose deep in the trough. <laughs> Who was it they sent off, a, off on a top secret campaign? to brown-nosed Colonel Gaddafi and schmooze Saddam Hussein. <laughs> now, believe me, I was never a major fan of Saddam's. And today, my best mates are Waleed, Waleed and self-effacing Philip Adams. <laughs> Am I being heretical, do you think? <laughs> And I practice every bloody thing that mature experience teaches. I polish Malcolm Turnbull's jokes. <laughs> and I write Bill Shorten's speeches. <laughs> but this evening, for my sins, I have been nicely asked to speak, to speak a few well-chosen words about my old mate, William Leake. <laughs> Not long ago, he done my portrait for the prestigious Archibald Prize. And on a great big canvas, too, in proportion to my size. <laughs> but the right-wing fascist judges didn't give our bill his due. And the feminists can't stand us. They'd rather paddle the pink canoe. <laughs> lovely. A lovely resonant concept. But Bill's Australia's Rembrandt. He's our Warhol, our Jack, Jeff Coons. And I was absolutely God, God, gobsmacked 
Dahiri also drew cartoons. <laughs> I'm afraid I've never seen them, Bill. So I might as well confess that in accordance with my punch politics, I read the Fairfax fucking press. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Good luck, Bill. Good luck. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. Forgive me, ladies. That just that just slipped back. You know, it slipped out. You know the feeling, don't you, girl? Eh? All the best, Bill.